At Northrop Grumman, cybersecurity is at the core of everything we do. Our cyber workforce is defining possible every day in an environment that fosters talent and rewards excellence. Northrop Grumman needs cyber professionals like you to join our team to help defend our nation and its allies. We have openings in Maryland, Northern Virginia, Cincinnati, Ohio, and Tampa, Florida. To begin your journey with us, visit our careers webpage, northropgrumman.com forward slash careers. Welcome to the Defense and Aerospace Reports Weekly Cyber Report sponsored by Northrop Grumman. I'm your host, Vago Maradian. And joining us today is my good friend, Dr. Jim Lewis, a Senior Vice President at the Center for Strategic and International Studies and the Director of the Strategic Technologies Program uh, at the Think Tank. Jim, it's always an honor and pleasure having you on the program. Thanks again for joining us. Thank you, Vago. Great program. Uh, thank you uh, very much for that endorsement. And before we get started, our daily podcast is sponsored by Bell. Leonardo DRS sponsors our global coverage and sponsored our coverage of the Air Warfare Symposium last week in Orlando, Florida. General Atomics Aeronautical Systems sponsors our coverage of strategy. GM Defense sponsors our technology coverage. And L3 Harris sponsors our coverage of Joint All-Domain Command and Control. Jim, uh, this is uh, the second or third week maybe in a row that we're starting with basically the same question. Question. Vladimir Putin has called uh, economic sanctions imposed by the world uh, to punish Russia for its unprovoked, illegal, and brutal invasion of Ukraine uh, as tantamount to a declaration uh, of war. And he's always said that if sanctions are opposed, imposed on him, he will retaliate through a variety of means, including offensive uh, cyber operations. Has he attacked? And we're just not seeing it, right? I mean, we do have some reports that there has been activity, but folks are keeping it quiet. Uh, or not. And if not, why not? And what does it mean? Because the defenders are all on high alert on those parapets. Uh, and there is a sense I have that maybe he's just kind of exhausting them before he moves. But you know more about this than I do. No, I think that's right, that uh, this is a threat. He uses threats. It's part of the Russian uh, diplomatic repertoire. And you shouldn't get excited every time Vladimir Putin makes a threat. You'll you'll die from adrenaline overdose. So it's a threat. Could he do it? Yeah, he could do it. And I wouldn't be surprised if we saw an uptick in ransomware attacks uh, because he likes them, they're fun, and Americans get excited. And he can try and deny culpability. You know, I can say it wasn't me. Uh, so he'll like that. But other than that, the rest of this is just threats to manipulate people. He wants to stampede the herd, and he's had a little bit of success there. Um, are the National Security Agency, U.S. Cyber Command, obviously our close allies uh, at GCHQ, I mean, is this a, a little bit, do, do you sense that there's a little bit of success in sort of defending forward uh, at this point, or is this is this ball really pretty much fully in Putin's court uh, at this point? You know, I don't know if they're defending forward or defending backward, but they are defending and I think it's made it harder for the Russians in some cases. Uh, you know, they're going to have to pick up their game to get around uh, Cyber Command, to get around NSA, uh, and to get around our, our European allies who are helping. So um, they have the initiative. Uh, you know, I said this before, but Putin doesn't consult with his lawyers before he decides whether or not to do something. And of course, we do. But that said, if it appears to me that there are some defenses and they are effective. 
Um, I, I, uh, I thought uh, that was both very funny and very not funny at the same time, uh, uh, Jim. Um, Glenn Gerstle, <laughs> uh, you know what I mean? It, it is. Yeah. It doesn't seem to be have consulted really with anybody before launching uh, this uh, operation as, um, you know, and I, I have to say you guys have had a whole series. CSIS has had a, a number of terrific events on that uh, as, as well, yeah. including a, a recent uh, event with Seth uh, Jones, um, Mike Vickers, uh, Elliot uh, Cohen, and Emily. I thought it was a terrific program. Yeah, we have an uh, event with Warner coming up too to talk about this. Senator, uh, and and uh, and I, I kudos to a number of other think tanks. Atlantic Council's done terrific work. CNAS. So just a shout out to the to the to everybody out yeah. there and the and the strong work they're doing. Hudson uh, as as well. Um, yeah. Glenn Gerstle, uh, the NSA's former general counsel, wrote in the New York Times uh, last week uh, in, an, in an article I think that a lot of people saw and, and took seriously that America isn't ready for what's coming. Uh, and do you agree with his assessment uh, of the threat, right? I mean, he said that at this point, we should have safeguarded uh, the nation better than we have, right? We've had guest after guest after guest on this program. You've joined us numerous times and we've already admitted we haven't done nearly as much as we should. Uh, and he also raised the issue of having sort of a unitary single organization to stand up to, to better defend uh, the country. Do you agree with his assessment that we're not uh, ready for what's coming down the pike at us? And, and no. is that the right approach? You know, if you, if you think of this as a cyber problem, you're looking through the wrong end of the telescope. This is a strategic problem and Putin has cards in his hand and he'll play them when he thinks it makes sense. Cyber is one of those cards. It's a good card, not the best, but he's chosen not to play it. And the issue is not what's coming towards us, but when will Putin change his mind and decide to do something? And so you're, I'm gonna anoint you as Vladimir Putin for a day you have to ask yourself, what do I get if I'm bogged down in Ukraine in starting a war with the Americans, right? And the answer is, even he's not that crazy. Uh, so we're not prepared, it's true. The dilemma is that Russians think, what do I get out of this? And if they, what they get is a fight with the Americans, they'll probably try and avoid doing something stupid. Uh, it means that we aren't in charge, the Russians are in charge. They get to make a decision. And, you know, that's not where you want to be. Um, however, uh, having worked a little bit with the Congress and with different administrations, um, this is America. We're really big. You're not going to get a single place. We already have an NCD with Chris Inglis, very effective. We already have Jen Easterly with uh, DHS and CISA, very effective. What more do you need? And I hope this isn't a replay of Keith Alexander's efforts to get, uh, he used to say if, if um, strategic command can defend America's airspace, why can't uh, cyber command defend America's cyberspace? And the answer is the legal context is different. So, you know, Jen and Chris uh, are relatively new. I don't think either of them has been in a year. They're doing good stuff. So we're going the right way. The message we have to do is get the Russians convinced that starting a fight with the U.S. is a bad idea. They're halfway there. I mean, they don't have any respect for us. They think we're on the way out. Uh, but they don't want to start a fight until they clean things up in the Ukraine. Even then, they'll be cautious. So 
you know, try and look at this from a strategic perspective, uh, not a cyber perspective. Um, are there any lessons, um, right? I mean, I, I think um, looking at this, there are a whole variety of military lessons, right? I mean, there's this sense that you have to let historians sort of take over before you draw lessons. I think we already have a number of lessons, right? I mean, if you if you fail to stand up uh, to the bully, the bully merely gets empowered. In this case, the bully didn't expect everybody to punch him in the face uh, the way that they uh, did. Um, which is which is great in terms of um, the United States bringing its allies and partners, whether in the Pacific or in Europe, uh, together with uh, economic uh, sanctions. From a cyber perspective or a technological perspective, do you see any more immediate lessons from from this entire episode that you think, whether in terms of investment, whether in terms of policy, whether in terms of legislation or just simple thinking, um, that that you you already see as lessons, even though we're probably closer to the beginning of the invasion of Ukraine than the end. Well, one good lesson is uh, don't underestimate your opponent's ability to miscalculate. And you know, I've seen a lot of references to the fact that there was something in the FT about the West being a bit soft-headed, and we are paying for twenty years of. Uh, looking into you know, Putin's eyes and seeing his soul and all that stuff. Um, so that's lesson number one, and it gets back to what you started with, which is whether it's cyber or anything else, um, you have to have uh, the ability to make your opponents think twice. Um, and we, we don't have that now, we're getting it. So this administration has done a good job, right? And I think of where we were, say, three years ago, uh, we're, gosh, can you imagine if Putin had done it then, what, what things would look like? Um, terrible. But what we have also learned is, you know, cyber is nice. It's going to be part of any conflict, uh, but it's not the wonder weapon. It's not the single thing that produces victory. And people continue to overestimate its utility. No one's ever died in a cyber attack. Um, it's very difficult to cause physical damage, um, maybe a handful of incidents. There's logical damage, sure, but when tanks are rolling around, uh, logical damage, logical damage isn't what brings you victory. So let's put this in perspective. I remember, um, actually it was Mike Rogers when he was the head of NSA. He told me, look, cyber is a support weapon. It's like a mortar. You know, you're not gonna use it for some things. And so, Hopefully the lesson will come out of this is you don't want to leave yourself vulnerable to opponents. We don't want to tolerate continuous violations of sovereignty for 30 years because it sends the wrong message to the bad guys. Um, but we also don't want to, and others have said this, you're not going to win a war with cyber. And Vlad presumably knows that, which is why he's focusing on, you know, what he's learned is uh, um, maintenance is important when it comes to armored vehicles. Uh, we don't have to learn that lesson, but I think those are the lessons. Uh, at least we have very, very good cyber tools, right? I mean, at the end of the day, um, um, you know, just about everybody has has made that clear. You've driven that message home, uh, in, indeed, that, you know, our capabilities really are are second to none, even if um, other guys might have bigger hacker armies and, and, and yeah. things like that. But think of it as a suite of capabilities. And so when you look at like, when you talk to the Russians, when we used to talk to them, 
you'd say, what are you guys worried about? And they'd say, yeah, we're worried about cyber. We're worried about hypersonic strike. We're worried about PGMs. Uh, we're worried about electronic warfare. And we're worried about anti-satellite capabilities or space capabilities, right? That's a portfolio of different technologies that they believed could be used to provide strategic advantage. Cyber is just one of them and by itself, um, it's probably not gonna cut it. Um, you know, let me just ask you a quick, uh, inter- right? I mean, integrated deterrence has become sort of a buzzword. Um, it's, oh God. Well, right. I mean, it's it's no different than it's 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 ever been from you know what i mean i mean the united states has always leveraged economic diplomatic cultural you name it right i mean our deterrence really is integrated in in its full context although i think that there are people who are surprised in the nature which the the way we have waged economic war on russia right i mean i think that that was eye-opening for for a lot of uh people do you as a strategic thinker jim I mean, do you see this as a failure? Is Russia's invasion of Ukraine a failure of conventional deterrence? Or is that, from your standpoint, maybe not the right way to look at it? Or is it the right way of looking at it, right? I mean, so, what's what's the lesson that he actually did this? Because now it's all punitive, right? Whereas if we had stopped him from going in there, we would have saved everybody a lot of time and money, including a lot of Russian parents who will never see their kids again. Yeah, no, the war is a tragedy, but... Uh... This administration has done the best job ever at coming up with sanctions. And when you look at the range of sanctions, when you look at the effect on the Russian economy, uh, this is a great test. Let's see if a coordinated, uh, extensive package of sanctions actually has an effect on Russian behavior. Um, We don't know, some people say no, that he'll just tough it out, but uh, this is really impressive. Right, because in the past we'd try sanctions onesies and twosies. You know, we'd find some guy we didn't like and sanction him, and oddly enough, that wasn't uh, uh, very persuasive. But this package is great, so I want to see how it plays out. I think this is it. Certainly scared the Chinese, right? So this has been great. Um, So, so you think there are elements of this that I'm sorry to interrupt, but you're the one who just mentioned China. Mm -hmm. So you think there are elements of this response that easily template into uh, a China-Taiwan scenario? Oh, they were they were shocked at the world coming together, Uh, and they um, they're you know they have the same problem, which is nobody's going to give Xi the bad news, but they watched closely to see what happens to the Russians and. I, they're a little more nuanced about they don't want to cut ties with Europe. They don't want to cut ties with other parts of the world. Happy to cut ties with us. One thing that I think the Chinese do know, although they probably spin it a different way, is their actions in Hong Kong have really counted against them uh, in international relations. And so this would be Hong Kong on steroids. I think they're tracking very closely and hopefully they've gotten the right message um, invasion, bad idea. Now, that's different from deterrence the way we've done it before. If the Chinese are deterred, it's because of things we've done since Putin invaded. And uh, I really am impressed. I mean, I don't know about you, but there's an article today about how the Lada plant had to close down uh, because of a shortage of parts. A lot of the symbolic Russian crummy car. Um, but deterrence in general isn't 
not right for this century because deterrence is you're trying to prevent your opponent from doing something and we haven't done too well. We did not deter Vladimir Putin from invading Ukraine. We have not deterred Russia and China from regularly violating our sovereignty in cyberspace. We have not deterred them from committing malicious acts. So deterrence yields the initiative to your opponent, right? And it was a great strategy for the 20th century. I hope this doesn't come as a newsflash, but the century's over. And you could play magic eight ball deterrence. If you remember the child's toy where you, you didn't like the answer, you shook it and a different answer came up. And we're kind of doing that with deterrence. We keep putting different words in front of it to see if it'll work. Integrated deterrence, hybrid deterrence, vegetarian deterrence. Um, we have to figure out what we want and then figure out how we go after it. Deterrence might be part of that, but it's not the whole story. And frankly, it just hasn't worked that well. Um, let me, um, I, I'm, I'm cognizant we've got about five minutes left and I've got a couple of questions, but I wanted to ask you the same question that I asked uh, Jay Raymond, uh, General Raymond uh, last week, Chief of Space Operations, that there is a tendency of thinking about sort of space and not realizing that it's actually part of the cyber domain. Indeed, cyber extends from internet cables under the ocean all the way uh, to geosynchronous uh, orbit. Um, are we thinking about the cyber infrastructure in the right way? in its totality as we go about trying to defend ourselves? I don't track this very closely, but I think uh, Space Command and Cyber Command have done a good job uh, thinking about the connections between uh, cyberspace and, and space, traditional space. So I actually think we're doing okay there. I mean, the fact that um, in conversations with uh, Russian and Chinese colleagues, they both raised American space capabilities as something of concern to them. It shows we must be doing something right. Um, let me uh, take you uh, to uh, the question uh, of the, the role of cyber, uh, both in policing uh, and reclaiming uh, the stolen uh, assets uh, stolen by the, uh, from the Russian people by Russian oligarchs, uh, right? I mean, there's a transatlantic task force and we're focused on that. Uh, and then part of that also, Jim, is uh, this notion of how we can better penetrate, uh, whether it's the Great Firewall or the Great, uh, you know, Iron Internet Curtain that Vladimir Putin has created. People get their news and information and listen to the radio and streaming on the internet. Uh, whereas during the Cold War, if somebody, my relatives uh, behind the Iron Curtain, had uh, shortwave radios and they listened to the BBC or Radio for Europe or Radio Liberty or Voice of America. Right. Talk to us about the role of cyber in reclaiming all these lost assets uh, and also the role that cyber may play. Or is it that we just have to build cheap radios and manage to smuggle them into both of these countries so that, you know, the, the citizens of the Russian Federation understand that they're not peacekeepers and this isn't a walk in the park. And, you know, it's not just about denazifying. It's about brutally crushing a sovereign democratic state. After the victory in the Cold War, we allowed our uh, public diplomacy and our informational assets to degrade, to deteriorate. And so what we could do in 1989, we cannot do today. Just as well because it is a different technology, but we're gonna have to rebuild the capability to get an alternate narrative before the Russian people and the Chinese people. Again, this is something we know they fear. And so we should be all over it. Uh, what is the truth? 
they'll do what they did in the Cold War, which is eventually they think Voice of America and BBC are more reliable than their own media outlets, but we're gonna to have to rebuild. It's crucial that we do that, not just for Ukraine, but for the long-term struggle we're engaged in. And the battle to reclaim stolen assets, how much of that is the cyber uh, operation and how much of it is just regular gumshoe financial detective work? I think most uh, cyber is part of the regular gumshoe detective work in reclaiming uh, stolen assets. And so uh, you will need to have some cyber capability to find assets and to trace them back to where they came from. But ultimately it's it's uh, gumshoes. Ultimately it's it's FinCEN, not Cyber Command. Let me uh, ask you one last question. It's about cryptocurrencies. The president signed an order uh, to uh, study uh, uh, today to uh, look at the positive and negative uh, elements of cryptocurrencies. Uh, obviously, you know, it started as a curiosity. Then people started making a little bit of money on it. Then it started looking like a bubble. It was a great Super Bowl ad with Larry uh, David. Uh, all the while, folks have been asking themselves, hang on a second. So cyber currency uh, cryptocurrencies without work without any checks, balances, oversight. Uh, and funnily enough, you know, everybody from oligarchs to criminals uh, have been using it to hide their money, right? I mean, we talked about ransomware earlier. They like to get paid in, in, in cryptocurrency. Um, how, what's, what's the approach that's necessary here as we go into, um, you know, potentially regulating what is, you know, the, the hot, bright new thing, even if it, you know, consume something like 20% of the power, planet's electrical power, right? So if you wanted to be green, you may not want cryptocurrencies in the first place, but that's beside the point. Cryptocurrency is part of a package of changes in the financial system brought about by digital network technologies. And some people talk about DeFi, uh, decentralized finance. Uh, you've got some sort of electronic uh, payment system in your credit cards, your Apple account. Um, we're moving to this because it offers better service at a lower price. And one of the issues that comes up is should we go to a central bank digital currency? I think that's part of the study as well. The Chinese have tried to do it, didn't work out so well in the Olympics. You know, one of the questions people ask is, what do we need one for? It's a fair point. You could probably get by with some middle position, but Cryptocurrencies, I, by the way, if it was me and I was a, a cyber criminal, I would not hold the currency for long. I would get the money to launder it and move it somewhere else, right? Because they're so volatile, they're so uh, opaque, you're, they're not going away. And so we'll need to extend our regulations uh, to make them more stable, more secure, and to take advantage of the cost savings. When people transfer money, thinking of transferring to the Ukraine, there can be extensive charges on uh, a money transfer, right? Uh, someone told me what it was for one of the big companies. I think it was like 10 or $12 a transfer. With cryptocurrency, the transfer could be zero. Um, we know what happens in movies like this. The competitive urge is that you will move to the lower cost thing, but we need to do it in a system that's a little more transparent, uh, a little safer for users, and hopefully a little more stable. By the way, I want to create a CSIS cryptocurrency called CSIS coin. Uh, they haven't agreed to it yet, but I mean, the Burger King chain in Moscow has a Whopper coin. Anybody can make one of these things. Now how valuable they are, 
that's one of the things we need to fix is there's lots of cryptocurrencies. Most of them are worthless. Uh, the big ones, though, might be worth regulating. There is a concern that the United States has used sanctions uh, on dollar-based currency in a way that will prompt many uh, opponents around the world to create an alternative, right? I mean, we, we've discussed the Chinese setting up a digital renminbi. Um, there's a Chinese clearinghouse. It's not that big right now, but they're trying to put more trade in it. And even our allies and partners occasionally use it to circumvent uh, sanctions. Do, do you think that a lot more has to happen to reinforce the dollar, the euro, the pound, the yen, as sort of the global custodians of order, right? Because that's effectively what we've done, right? The superheroes, the league has come together in, in order to sort of enforce the law. It's just there are a lot of lawless people and a lot of dictators and a lot of bad money out there who may want to circumvent that and may find common cause with our Russian and Chinese friends to do it. Do you think that there is a risk there, um, seeing as how this is kind of a cyber currency transactional domain we're talking about, a digital financial domain. They came to that conclusion years ago, and it might have been 2014, it might have been 2008, that they can't depend on the Western controlled financial system and they need to create an alternative. Um, and so the Chinese have been struggling for at least five or six years to make the RMB one of the basket currencies. And one way to do that is to lean on the IMF and the World Bank they're really good at that. We need to maybe take a second look. Uh, another way to do that is to have the RMB come in behind the dollar. Dollar's gone in Russia, use RMB. The problem with the RMB is nobody trusts it, right? It's not stable because Xi Jinping could wake up in a bad mood one day and announce that he was cutting it in half. People's Bank of China is a really strong institution, but they operate in a political context that creates risk. So. Yeah, they're going to try and create an alternative system, Russia and China, but there's a limit to how far they can go. Uh, it means like so many of the other things we talk about, just stand by for more messy conflict. Jim, always an honor and pleasure having you on the program. Thanks so much for joining us uh, and already looking forward to having you back on again soon. Thanks so very much. From cyberspace to outer space. Northrop Grumman cyber technology spans all domains and all aspects of national security. We are delivering the next generation of cyber capabilities that protect our nation and its allies. Visit northropgrumman.com forward slash cyber to learn more.